down to Y Foodie Edge facing back right on. The only podcast taking you under the helmet. Expert analysis breaking down the quarterback play in the NFL each weekend. Don't that feel good when your crowd behind you? Let's give them something to cheer for now. This is Inside the Pocket with your host, Greg McElroy. Welcome in. It's Inside the Pocket. I'm your host, Greg McElroy. Back in the studio is Andrew Emmer. Appreciate him piecing this thing together. And we have so enjoyed discussing the quarterback position over the last couple of shows that we felt we needed to add another show once a week. Last week, we decided to do a podcast. It was an hour. We have a guest. We hand out some superlatives. We go through uh, kind of a power ranking, so to speak, but we're adjusting. We're adapting on the fly. We felt like the best way to bring you in-depth analysis of the quarterback position is to actually break things up. So what we decided to do was we decided to take the guest who we had just the other day, Todd McShay, was excellent talking to young quarterbacks with him. And then we gave out the superlatives, the gold star, the bounce back, the tighten up. One of the recipients of the tighten up award this week was, in fact, Carson Wentz, who we are going to detail his performance against the L.A. Rams here on the quarterback spotlight. This used to live within the side, the pot inside the pocket podcast used to live within that. However, we feel like it's best to separate it. It is a deep, comprehensive dive into what we're looking at at the position. It's really easy to say, well, Carson Wentz isn't playing well. <laughs> I, I, obviously, right? Like, I mean, but, but why is he not playing well? That's kind of what I want to get into a little bit when assessing and evaluating where it is he's currently struggling. And we can actually break it down a lot easier by highlighting just a few plays. I have five or six plays that really tell the story of what Carson Wentz is currently struggling with. All right. Just overarching theme of Carson Wentz's struggles. Few things. One, his footwork is currently a mess. Relatively speaking. Now, hey, he's playing against Aaron Donald. That's going to have every quarterback feeling a little uneasy as they drop back in the pocket when they're playing against the LA Rams. It's not, he's not the only one. He won't be the only one. Aaron Donald's presence can make every quarterback uncomfortable. That's not news. It's pretty obvious, but his footwork, even in a clean pocket is really less than stellar. And for a guy that has done a lot of nice things in this league, he's got to pick it up. I mean, absolutely positively has to pick it up. So we're going to go through a few plays. And, and I think these plays will help illustrate why the, fo- the pocket footwork has got to cl- be cleaned up. The other thing is ball location right now is not good. If you watch him throughout the course of the week, you'll recognize that his ball placement is less than stellar. And if you look at the off-target percentage in the NFL, the off-target percentage, meaning what percentage of his attempts were off the mark, they were uncatchable. Carson Wentz finished 30th of 32 quarterbacks last week as it pertains to off-target percentage. 
And one of the 32 quarterbacks that's below him is Jeff Driscoll, who filled in for an injured Drew Locke. So a backup quarterback. Carson Wentz missed on just about one out of four passes on Saturday. Or on Sunday, excuse me. One out of four. I charted him as having had 43 attempts. I had 10 inaccurates. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. All right. So let's look into it. Let's start. Actually, before we go anywhere, I want you to watch the first play. The first, excuse me, not the first play, the first pass attempt. You're going to see Carson Wentz throw it to Miles Sanders in the left flat. Bottle this play up because it's about to rear its ugly head here on the first play that I pull up when trying to break down Carson Wentz. All right. I want everyone to go to seven minutes and 33 seconds remaining in the first quarter. All right. I want you to look at where Carson Wentz is trying to work here. This is a pretty simple play. It's called Indy. Indy. The reason why it's called Indy is because the Indianapolis Colts made it famous under Peyton Manning like a million years ago. It's a very simple play. You have three wide receivers to your right. You have two under routes by the outside receiver and the wide receiver that's in the second position. We call him the number two. All right. So you have two under routes there. And then the number three receiver has a 12-yard dig across the middle. All three routes are in breaking. Now, the read on this play is the number two to the number three to the number one. So in this particular case, you're reading the slot to the tight end to the outside receiver. All right, let's watch it. The slot player is covered up. Nowhere to go there. So you got to come to number two. Carson Wentz does. Now, here's the problem. He throws it late, behind, and into traffic. There are three Rams defenders within five yards of the intended target. What takes him there? I can't figure that out. If everything's perfect, you should be able to deliver that football, no problem. But it wasn't perfect. Pocket wasn't great. A little bit out of rhythm. So where should you go? To number one. Because you have Jalen Rager on the outside on a six-yard and in on second and six in the red zone. You hit him. You hit him running. He might crease it and score. So that was a first play that jumped out to me in Carson Wentz's day that indicated he's not seeing the field real well. He's trying to do too much. Forcing it to Dallas Godert over the middle of the field when he could just very easily, very, very easily throw it to the outside, easier completion, and we're off and running first and 10 deep inside the red zone, and we're feeling really good. Let's go next to play with one minute and four seconds remaining in the first quarter. Now, remember that first play I told you to bottle up, right? Remember that? The running back, Miles Sanders, into the flats. All right, just bottle that play up, I told you. Well, here's an opportunity to run a play real similar to that. It's third and two. If you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, they are at their own 38-yard line. They have flank set to the left, two tight ends. They motion one of their tight ends across the ball. When that motion goes from left to right, a defender also travels with the motion. What does that tell us? It tells us that it's man coverage. What do you want to do if you're a quarterback and it's man coverage? Find my backs, find my leverage, and find my tight ends. 
Okay. Those are three. Anyone tells you man coverage, what do you do as a quarterback? I want to find my backs. I want to find my tight ends. Those are where I have matchup advantages. All right. So when you see that guy travel with the motion, you need to next look. All right. Where do I have leverage? Well, in this particular case, he has a running back to his left and a tight end to his left. It's a Y stick concept. Remember when he threw on the first play of the game, he threw the running back into the flat for a gain of 12. Well, it's third and two, the exact same play, and your running back just by pre-snap alignment has three or three and a half yards of leverage against the guy that's covering him in man coverage. If he throws it to the running back on this play, it's first and 10, and it quite possibly could even lead to a big play because of a missed tackle. That's how wide open this running back is. Instead, he works to the right where he has three wide receivers, but unfortunately for Carson Wentz, along with those three wide receivers, there are four Rams defenders. He tries to force a slant into a tight window. It's behind the receiver because he's trying to hold him up. He doesn't want to throw him into a kill shot. It's incomplete. Out comes the punting unit. That's play number two. He's just not seeing it. Let's go next to two-minute drill. Second quarter with one minute and 34 seconds remaining. This play really bothered me. Just why? Why? It makes no sense. All right. In this particular play, you have a two-by-two alignment. Nothing too crazy. Nothing too significant. Two-by-two alignment. You have a tight end to your left, a receiver to your left, two receivers to the top. You run what you call a switch seven concept. So to the left, Carson Wentz is left. You have a tight end in the flat at five or six yards. Your outside Z receiver is running a corner route. It's actually a beautifully designed play. The safeties are really, really high. So that's where your eyes should start. If no one takes the flat, take it right now to the left. If the corner stays shallow, try to hit the corner route over the top. So if the corner jumps the flat, the corner back, that is, throw the corner route in behind the corner. It's a pretty simple concept. All right. Wentz doesn't even look to his left where he has an opportunity to potentially hit that corner route. Instead, with one minute and 30 seconds remaining in the second quarter, he tries to force it. It's almost intercepted. And had it been intercepted, the Rams would have only had to go 10, maybe 15 yards before they would be in easy, makeable field goal range. Another example of Carson Wentz trying to do too much. Let's go next to the third quarter with eight minutes and 15 seconds remaining. Here's the interception. I'm sure you've seen it. Anybody that watched this knows that this was a really bad play. Look, it's not an easy play. It's not an easy throw. They actually start. Carson is working. He's got three receivers to his right. They try to run a double post concept off of play action. Have a good coverage for the most part. They have three defenders that are all running with the inside post concept, meaning he's got J.J. Arcega-Whiteside on the outside and one-on-one. The problem with this is because of the play action and because Carson drifted to his left, he is now really late with the football. There's a moment when Carson starts to get to the top of this drop. You should pause it, and you'll see J.J. Arcega-Whiteside right around the nine-yard line making his break already towards the post. 
His eyes are already on Carson Wentz. Already on him. And if J.J. Arcega-Whiteside sees Carson Wentz throw this football, that means that it's late. This ball has to be thrown before the receiver gets out of his break. But to make things worse, Carson's not only late, he also strides like a Major League Baseball pitcher. Now, I want you to think about this concept. As you are trying to throw or do any swing a golf club, anything as a rotational athlete, think about having your front left leg completely locked out and think about your legs being more than a yard and a half apart from each other as you try to deliver the football. Can you get any velocity on it by stepping that wide? No. And if you look at Carson's feet in this particular instance, they're almost as if they're in the splits. He has no way of being able to drive the football with that type of mechanics. Can't. His footwork are a mess. And if you talk to anyone that's really studied the mechanics of the quarterback spot, they'll tell you six-inch step. That means that front left step needs to be six inches or less. That's how you can turn and get your body and your weight through it. And Carson right here on this interception, his feet are way too wide. He has no velocity and he's late. So it's really bad, and it obviously leads to a bad result after the interception. I know it sounds like I'm beating him up. I just It's frustrating because I know he's capable, and these are fixable issues. I, I genuinely believe these are fixable issues. We'll start, and we'll finish with the final throw, and it's second and 10, 8.43 remaining in the fourth quarter. They're marching. They're on the plus 44-yard line. Now, Carson will see this. It's another situation in which Dallas Godart, uh, Goddard, excuse me, is in press coverage or is it has press coverage against the secondary player. And in this situation, it's probably a little bit difficult to read. You see the man coverage, you like it. You got a chance to maybe throw one over the top. Carson goes to the right place. He goes to the right place. He sees his wide receiver in one-on-one, and he sees that safety spin down into the box, into the middle of the field, knowing he's got one-on-one with room to the left-hand side. Great decision in the pre-snap. Great recognition of the spin and the rotation as the ball is being snapped. It's a perfect place to go with the football. The problem is he does not recognize that his wide receiver is actually on top of the defender. Granted, Most times when you see a good secondary player, they're not going to let a tight end get on top of them. So what do you do? You work a back shoulder throw. Well, in this particular case, Carson predetermined throwing that back shoulder route. If he would have just seen quickly that his wide receiver actually wins at the line of scrimmage, took a half second longer to assess the phase of the wide receiver relative to the defensive back, you throw that ball over the top, And it might not just be a big play, but it might actually be a touchdown. So just not recognizing the face. Look, it's in there. These are just five plays I've pulled in which he can be a little bit better. There's a lot of good in this tape too. But we have to, at some point, recognize that Carson Wentz needs to not just play smarter, but he needs to do a better job in pre-snap recognition. He needs to be more accurate with his ball place and he needs to be more on time. But I'm optimistic. I've seen him do it. I've seen him do it. And I know he'll do it again. So I'm hoping that this performance was an anomaly and that he can actually build on better performances in the future. This was our quarterback spotlight, our weekly quarterback spotlight here on Inside the Pocket for all of us 
Andrew Emmer, and myself, Greg McElroy. Hope you have a wonderful day. And remember, you can always download Inside the Pocket wherever you get your podcast and on the SiriusXM app.